So this week we're looking at body 27. In the last body, um, Guru Sahib talked about this priceless divine quality, the qualities of the ones who've received Naam, who are trading in the divine qualities. And it also talked about the many angelic beings that are praising and speaking the praises of this divine. So this verse here is a continuation of that theme. It's a continuation from the last one where the focus is on the praise of the divine. The Shabbat is known as Sodar. And this Bauri is quite important because it's one of the few Shabbats that appears several times in Guru Granth Sahib Ji. So the Shabbat appears here as a Pauri. In Reras it appears as well. And in the beginning of the Reras, in the way it's written in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, and in a third place in Asa Rag, in Rag Asa. So it's one of the few Shabbats where the same verse is repeated three different times. So it indicates that there is some message here that we need to learn from. It's also the longest body of Japji Sab. So there are saloks in Japji Sahib in the beginning at the end and the Shabads in Rera Sahib that are repeated elsewhere in Guru Granth Sahib Ji but this seems to be one of the rare ones that are repeated three times. And although there are some slight variations in pronunciation and spelling the overall body is exactly the same, the meaning is the same, the lines are the same. So the, the verse begins, So dar keha, so kar keha, jit sarab samale. So dar keha, how is that door? Where is that door? So kar keha, where is that mansion, that house? Jit where you sit, Sarab Samale and look after all, take care of everything. How is that door, how is that house where you sit and look after all? So Guruji starts this body by asking a question. What is your home? Where are you? How does one find you? And this is a question that only few are fortunate enough to ask. And if we think about our own lives, in all the time that we've been practicing Sikhi, did we ever once stop to simply ask the question with utmost sincerity, where are you? How do I find you? Where is that mansion where you reside? And more importantly, what is the door through which I can enter and find you? that door with which I can come and have your darshan to see you and to see the majesty with which you rule over all. So think about the number of spiritual texts that have been created, the number of spiritual teachers that have come and gone. Guruji spoke in the last verse about Puran, all the great spiritual texts that have talked about you. And still we never stop to just think for ourselves, 
Where is this? How do I find it? And because we rarely ask, it seems very difficult to find. Because this is a journey of you asking that question and finding that within yourself. There is only so much spiritual text can teach us. There is only so much spiritual masters can say. At the end, you have to ask that question and say, okay, where is it? And how do I find it? But something we need to look at is, hasn't Guru Nanak Dev Ji already asked this question in Japji Sahib? Have we not come across these kind of questions before? The very first question in Japji Sahib, the first question in all of Guru Granth Sahib Ji, we saw right at the beginning body where Guru Nanak Dev Ji asks, Give Satyara Hoye, give Gude Tutte Pal. How can truthfulness occur? How can the veil of filth be removed, be broken? And the answer comes back, Hukum Rajai Chalana Nanak Likyanal. Walk on the will of that divine command, Nanak says, which is written with us all. So that's the first question where Guru asks, how do we find truthfulness? How do I find this truth? The second question in Japji Sahib says, Fair ke jit darbar. What offering can I make by which I can see your royal court? What words can I utter from my mouth that by saying it, you will hear it and give me your love? And the answer comes back, Amrit Vela Sachanao Vichar. Waking up in that Amrit Vela, contemplating on Naam and the great contemplation of life. That is the answer to what you need to do in order to see that darbar. So why after already asking these questions, why after so much explanation that Guru Nanak Dev Ji has given already about Japji Sahib and about this divine, why is there still a need to ask another question? Well, if we look a little bit deeper at the first two questions, how can I become more truthful? What offering can I make? You notice that the first two questions are about me. What can I do? This third question, or the question at this time, now asks, where are you? The focus is now on you, not on me. Where are you? Where do you reside? Where is your home? So for every spiritual seeker, seeking is the purpose of the journey. That continual seeking, that finding, Knowing is never a destination. Knowing is never enough. Continuously finding, always asking the same fundamental question. The very word question means to go on a quest, to seek, to find. So at any moment in your spiritual journey, it's really important and it's pertinent to ask the question, where are you? And the question, where are you, is a really beautiful question. It's a question that's born out of love. See, when 
your lover, when the one that you love, when you know that they're in your own home, just knowing that they're in the house sometimes isn't enough. Even still, knowing that they're around, you still ask the question, where are you? One more glance, one more touch, one more embrace. Knowing that they're there isn't enough. You feel that urge to be with them, to be in their presence. At every moment you crave to be with them. It's never too much, it's never enough. So there's a constant longing to be in the presence of your lover. And knowing that the divine is in your home isn't enough. You want to feel, you want to be in the presence, you want to taste, you want to touch that divine. So as spiritual seekers, we must always ask this question, where are you? And whenever you ask that question, it reminds us to bring us back into the present moment. And it's so easy, if you think about it, to slip back into the swarm of thoughts, that crowd, that noise, the buzz, the excitement of that overcrowded mind. And this, quest this question makes you stop take a step back from that crowd. It immediately centers you back into the moment. So at any time of the day, whatever you're doing, you can always bring yourself into the moment and say, where are you? At regular intervals, pause and reflect. And you can even ask this question of your own mind. Where are you? What are you doing right now? Are you lost somewhere? Or are you present? Are you here? Or whether you're asking the divine, where are you? It aligns your awareness back. It focuses your mind back to seeking, to finding, to trying to be in that awareness, the presence of creation, that essence of creation. So the question alone is as though you're knocking on that divine door and saying, where are you? Please let me in. So the question is like this. How is that door and that house where you sit and look after all? So it's asking, how do I find that formless one that controls all the form. How does the nirgun exist within the sargun? It is a search for that which cannot be seen amongst everything that can be seen. And it is such a fundamental question. We can see all of creation all the time. All around us we can see the form of God. We can see creation, we can see nature all the time. But how do we see God? That is the important question. So Guru Sahib asks by looking for the door. 
the door to the mansion where you reside. So the mind is always looking outwards. The mind has five doors with which it's always searching outwards. The five senses are the doors to the outside world. But what is that door to look inside? What is that door that helps you look beyond the senses? Guru Nanak Dev Ji goes on to answer this question. Where is your door? Where is that mansion where you sit and look after everything? Vaje Nad Anek Asankha Kete Vavanhare. Vaje Nad. There are sounds being played, songs are being played. Anek Asankha, infinite and countless. And there are Kete Vavanhare, so many musicians. So the question is where is that door? with which I can find you. The response comes back that there are so many musicians playing here at your door. So how do we recognize the door? How do we recognize the house? What Guru is saying is you are here and you are there and you are everywhere within creation. So what it's doing is it's aligning our thinking so that we can recognize amongst the creation something that is behind the creation which is the song of creation itself. So we are to look at all living beings as a living song of the divine. Imagine all of creation, everything that you can see as a musical performance Everything is singing, everything is dancing, everything is praising that one Creator. If you still your thoughts for just a moment and listen, simply listen and you will hear the music of sound all around you at every moment. It's a very subtle and a very gentle melody. And interestingly enough, it's really evident at Amrit Villa when all life starts to wake up. You start to hear birds chirping, all the animals, all the trees start rustling. And if you listen carefully, you can even hear the flowers start to open for their morning sunshine. So there's a song, a new day, a new opportunity to sing the glory of life. That's happening all the time. So the Guru recommends that we also wake up at that time. And Guru recommends that when we wake up in the morning, we also start to sing. Kirtan is the Guru's method. So the Guru recommends that we sing and we also use song so that we can recognize that the universe is born out of song. The universe is constantly singing. Remember the word Oankar is the very utterance of sound. And from the sound, the sound of the universe begins. The engines start grinding. The machine starts to work. 
It all began with the sound of Omkar and the whole universe came out of that. So the universe is a function of sound. It is sound at all different levels. They say that ultimately when you break everything down into atoms, everything is ultimately just vibration. Everything is moving at just different frequencies. What makes a solid, a liquid or a gas is ultimately just how it sounds, how it moves, how it vibrates. So this is the Guru's method. The Guru's method is to use song so that we can connect with that divine song. When we sing, we realize that the universe is singing. And that's how we connect. That's how we bring ourselves back away from the noise of the mind into the sound of the continuing motion, that play, that performance of the universe. Remember in Pauli 5, Guru recommends Gaviye, Suniye, Manarakiye Pao. Sing and listen to that sound and bring love into the mind. Dukh parhar sukh kar le jai. This will get rid of your dukh. This will get rid of your pain because your pain and your suffering exist within the mind, the noise of the mind. This will get rid of that noise. It will get rid of your suffering and it will bring peace back into your home. Gurmukh nadang, Gurmukh vedang, Gurmukh rahaya samayi. Through the Guru's instruction, we will be able to know this nad, this vibration, this sound, this song of the universe. Gurmukh nadang. The Guru's mukh, the Guru's instruction teaches us this. And the Guru's instruction gives us the knowledge of this, the vedang. And the knowledge is that it is rahaya samayi. It is merged into everything. So this is very much central to Guru Nanak's message. Guruji continues, Kete rag parisyo kahiyan kete gavan hare. Kete means so many. How many? How many rags? Rags are Indian musical structures, ways of performing music. Kete rag parisyo. And in the Indian classical system, there are masculine rags and accompanying feminine rags, rags and raganis. So the word parisyo means the ragnis that are with the rags. Pari means the ragani, the female rags that are with the masculine rags, and syo means that they accompany each other. Kete rag parisyo kahiyan, and they're all singing, they're all speaking, they're all rejoicing. Kete gavanhare, there are so many singers and performers. So Guruji here is starting to talk about rag and raganis, the Indian classical musical system and their subcategories of music as well. And so the Indian classical music system and the origins of, of classical rag is really closely tied into spirituality and bhakti within India, within the Indian mystical tradition. Sansing Maskinji describes this very well. He says, all the musical instruments of India are deeply linked with spirituality. Great meditators and saints like Meera and Narad were famous for playing the Iktara, the one-stringed instrument. In the hands of Saraswati, we see 
the instrument called the Veena. Krishna plays a flute. Shiva is seen to beat the drum of the Damaru. Pai Mardana is the musician who accompanies Guru Nanak. And on a saranda, it is said that Guru Arjan Dev Ji performed a lot of kirtan. So therefore, musical instruments have been invented by the Bhagats, by the saints. So it is said that the saints took inspiration from the sounds that they heard around them, from the sounds of creation, and they invented Indian instruments to try and recreate those sounds, to imitate the music that they could hear all around them. And the different rags was their way of trying to imitate the emotions of different times of day and different seasons of the year, which is why when we have rags, they're associated with different moods, different times of day and different times of year. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji says that at your door, there are numerous rags singing your praise. Guruji continues, Gave tuhuno paon pani be santar, Gave raja taram duare. So, sing the winds, the water, and fire to you. They are singing to you. Sing the kings of righteousness, taram raja. And these are all happening at your door. So, Guru is describing the door with which we can recognize the Divine. All of nature, wind, water, fire, that's all singing right now to you. Air, fire and water are the most necessary things needed to survive. Within our own body we need water, we need fire, we need warmth. In classical Indian philosophy, these simple things were seen as devtas, as gods. Air is seen as a god, fire is seen as a god. So Guru is saying that these great gods, of these gifts of life, even they're singing to us. They're singing all around us and they're all singing the praise of that divine. And Guruji mentions, Gave tuhuno paon pani besantar, so the wind, Pawn, Pani, water, Besantar, fire, Gave, Raja, Taram, Duare, and Taram, Raja. So, Taram, Raja is said to be a judge who judges your life, who looks at your life and decides whether you've lived your life according to Taram and decides your fate in terms of reincarnation. So, Guru says that even the great decider of life is ultimately singing the praise of the Divine. Gavahe chit gupat likh jaanhe likh likh taram vichare. Guru talks about chitr and gupt. Gavahe chit gupt likh jaanhe. So sing chitr and gupt who continuously write. Gavahe chit gupt likh jaanhe likh likh taram vichare. And taram raja who contemplates these writings. That which is written, Taram Raja looks at them and decides, bases his decision on the things that Chit and Gupta have written. 
So Chitan Gupta are seen as two angels who look upon everyone and one writes all the good qualities of people and one writes all the bad qualities. Some say that they even sit on either side of your shoulders and they decide to write everything that you've done in your life down so that when your life is over you have a full record of all your pap and all your pun, all your sins and all your virtues and that is handed to Taramraja, the ultimate judge. So Guru says that these angelic beings are also sitting there doing their work but ultimately it is a work in dedication to the Divine. It is the Divine's work. So they are also singing the praises of the Divine. It reminds me almost like workers in a factory who are all doing their individual jobs but they're all singing the company song. They're all keeping that logo, that motto, that song going. So they're all doing different jobs but ultimately they're all working towards that same divine goal. So this is how Guruji is describing all the angelic heavenly beings who are doing their roles but ultimately their role is a praise of the divine. So Guru's introduced quite a few different concepts here about fire, about wind, water, Dharamraja and these sub-angels who are also doing their jobs. But there's a different way to interpret some of these words as well. We can talk about fire, wind and water to be the elements that make the human body. All life, it is said in the classical Indian philosophy, are made up of five elements. Water, fire and wind being three important elements within that. So if we see fire, wind and water as the elements of your body, then it means that your body is also singing the song of the Divine. Everything inside your body is also like a factory that is ultimately working for that Grand Master. So we can talk about Pavan being your life breath, Pani being the blood that circulates your life body, and fire being that life energy within you. Taramraj also means death. So everything that keeps you alive is singing the praise and the thing that decides your death is also ultimately the song of that universe. Chit and Gupt also can be interpreted as Chit being your conscious, Gupt being your subconscious. The word Chit means that which is in your consciousness. Gupt meaning hidden, that which is hidden consciousness. So all your thoughts and your deep-rooted intentions, everything that you think you're made of is ultimately a song of the Divine. We can also see Chit and Gupt being that which is present and that which is invisible. Your body is present but your mind is hidden. So your body is also a song of the Divine. Your mind is also a song of the Divine. So all parts of your body, all parts of you, body and mind are singing a song of the Divine. Your life, your death, your actions, your thoughts are all just a part of a divine play, a song. So what you do and what you say and how you think and how you act 
should be likh likh taram vichare should be monitored should be reflected on we shouldn't just carry on this song and let the mind do whatever it wants and let the body do whatever it wants if we have the ability to recognize our conscious mind and our subconscious if we have the ability to see our body and to see our mind then we should observe those we should write them down we should make a note of what they're doing all the time we should monitor them and reflect and observe assess how we are otherwise we continue to act in ignorance in self interest in self identity so how long are we going to carry on doing this in self preservation so this is the song of chit and gupt and the taram raja that is writing everything down gave isar barma devi sohan sada savare sings shiva isar this word is an onkar underneath so it is a singular word shiva sings brahma sings and the beautiful goddesses the devis the beautiful devis sohan sada savare the ones that are always decorated so these beautiful universal energies of destruction the very force of destruction in the universe and the force of creation in the universe all of these divine energies are singing to you gave ind indasan baithe devtya dar nale so ind is indra the king of gods in the indasan so all the kings of gods the word ind here is plural ind is indra the king of gods indasan asan means that place where you sit your throne ind asan means your royal throne gave ind indasan baithe so sing the indra kings sitting on their royal thrones devtya darnale and with the devtya the demigods at your door again guruji is describing your door the word door is come up again and again so according to the vedas indra is the king of heaven he is the ultimate king he is the god of lightning of rain of storm of rivers and the flow of water so we're hearing a lot about these demigods and even in the last w- verse we heard about these various demigods that spoke the praises of the divine guru said akhe barme akhe ind akhe gopita govind so speak the brahmas and the indra kings the heavenly kings the gopis the cow herding maidens and the krishnas so what can we learn about all of this because guru's talking about quite abstract concepts like these demigods sitting at your door it's a very nice visual graphic that is being painted for us a nice illustration but what can we learn from all this celestial praise that's going on how should we understand all these gods of creation and these angels and the wind and the fire that are singing and do they really sing So one way that we can look at this is that their existence is like a song. The way that they work, the way that they move, 
the very duties that they're carrying out is like a royal song, a song of praise. All of their functions serve a bigger picture. None of them are working individually. None of them are exclusively on their own. They're all cogs working for this greater machine. And on, only when they all come together does the machine start to churn and work and you hear the roaring of the machine, the sound of the action. It's not that they really have to sing. It's that their underlying essence is a divine melody. We have to see their essence like a melody. And the most important thing is that you're all part of that. Our life is part of that song. So let's bring it back to us. In order to find God, in order to ask us, in order to answer the question, where are you? We have to go to the door of God. And to open the door of God is to open your understanding that you are a part of a divine song. Your life is part of a great, big, musical, theatrical performance. To open that door to God is to open your understanding of yourself within the bigger song, within that bigger production. So we have to be at one with that song. You no longer sing your own melody. You're now no longer in control of your own rhythm, your own tune. There's a really nice way to look at this from an instrument perspective. If you imagine a flute, it is hollow. It is a hollow instrument. And like the flute being played by the Lord Krishna, so we must become a hollow instrument and allow that divine to play the music through us. You must know to become empty. That you don't fill your instrument with the filth of me, of I. Empty your own instrument out of me and allow the divine to play through you. You have to know that the divine right now is playing through you. It always has played your song. It's always been playing your tune. Except all this time you were convinced that it was your song. It's like the flute that can hear the tune that is coming out from itself and it thinks this is me. This is me making this music. This is my song. I am producing this sound. So by listening to that divine music of your own self, by listening to your own life, you were convinced that it's you. You created the illusion that I'm the one here making this story, making this song of life. And in your song and in your music, 
there's never been room for anybody else to play. Think about a flute. Two musicians can't play the same flute at the same time. So while you thought you were the musician, the real musician remained invisible. While you thought you were playing out the story of your life, the one really playing that tune remained hidden. So how do we open that door? How do we see the divine? When you no longer own your own life, when you no longer own your own story, your own sound, when your story becomes his story, the story of that one, when you become part of that one divine song, then you will know that door, that house, you will know that ruler who has always been playing your song. So I think we'll leave it there for this week. Why would you go Khalsa? Why would you give Fateh?